Hey guys, what's going on? This is David Avalon with my co-host Robert Drysdale for a, our 50th episode of Breaking the Guard. And on this episode, we have a very special guest, and other than Elliot Marshall. Elliot Marshall is the host of the Gospel of Fire podcast. He also has a book by that same name. He is a UFC veteran. He was the first American to medal as a blue, purple, and a brown belt in the Pan Ams of uh, the IBJJF. Uh, he's an author, like I said. He also speaks publicly in TEDx and whatnot. And uh, he has a very interesting story of how he came into the martial arts and essentially promoting awareness and mental health. And uh, we get into a variety of issues with him. And I think it's a very enlightening talk. And uh, of course, we get into martial arts as well, uh, roles that a man has to play in society and, and different things of that nature. So it's a good talk. I would uh, go ahead check it out and uh if you like what you hear from elliot uh please check him out on his social media which is fire marshall 205 that's marshall m-a-r-s-h-a-l-l 205 and uh he has links there whether you're looking to hear more about his speaking or if you're a martial arts school owner looking to improve your business and optimize it he's offering free video courses there as well so again just visit his instagram it says fire marshall 205 and you can learn all about it hey guys what's going on i'm david avon here with my co-host robert drysdale and on today's episode we have a very special guest than other than UFC vet, uh, host of the podcast, um, and uh, and you've done quite a bit. Let me just get you in there. Elliot, Mark, yeah. welcome to the show. What's up, guys? How are you? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I was just reading up a little bit about you, and uh, I realized we're birthday brothers. I yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> I knew that, too. I think I knew that, too, from a while ago, because... You know, we were all kind of doing it at the same time, and you yeah, know the yeah. competing thing. But we, you know, same you guys were ahead of me. Same, same day. He's a year older. I mean, okay. yeah. he's forty. I'm thirty nine. We're close, yeah. though. Okay. Pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And um, I guess to get started, just uh, for people who are not familiar with you, just give us a little bit about your background in the martial arts. Like, how did you yes. get started? So, man, I got started. I got started in 1986. Uh, I saw the Karate Kid and I and I crane kicked a lamp in my house and and my parents were like, all right, well, let's put you in karate. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I did karate. Right. Like any like most of us 80s kids did. Um, There was no jujitsu in America or anything like that. Uh, I had a very interesting upbringing. You know, karate actually probably was my savior was the difference between, for example, me and my sister. Um, who who didn't get too into it because we were very we were very different. You know, I had a a black dad and uh, a Jewish mom whose parents survived the concentration camps. So um, with you know my dad older, uh, not older, but like when he growing up is the 1950s and 60s. So right through the right through civil rights, you know. Um, so a lot of fear, you know, a lot of fear in the household. I would say, um, and you know, I learned you know like things. Like I, I never fit in anywhere. Like my house would get spray painted with swastikas and racial slurs and and all kinds of stuff. But at karate, I always fit in. So um, yeah, so martial arts was kind of my thing. And then towards the end of my karate tenure, the the late ni- the late nineties, um, you know, I, my friend, we were doing, we had a tournament, a karate tournament, and he dodged me. He did like the masters division, and I was like, ah, oh, you. <laughs> You know, and it was just sparring. So like it wasn't full contact. So you would you would fight your friends, right? Like, you know, you'd spar against your friends in the tournament. Um, I was like, you dodged me. You're scared. And he's like, oh, you think so? He's like, come over to my house on Friday. And I was like, oh, sure. No problem, old man. And I go over his house and I have no clue what jujitsu is. I have no clue that he'd been he's like about to get his blue belt, you know, but we were like kind of the same level at karate, but he could wrestle and do jujitsu. 
because he was a state champ wrestler. And oh my God, it blew my mind. Like it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my, I, I can't fight at all. You know? What year was this? This was 1998. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So 97. No, 97. 97. Sorry. Yeah. Um, super early in the game. 97. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone has that story of getting their asses kicked by someone and realizing they can't yeah. fight for shit. Yeah. Because you think you can fight you know, until you get your butt kicked by a 13 year old and you go, like, okay, I can't. Yeah. Mine was a Jikundo. And uh, we never sparred when I did Jikundo. We did all forms and katas and hitting pads. And my brother and I thought we were both Bruce Lee. Yeah. Until I remember the first realization was with Kendo because we were doing Kali and stick fighting. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, you know. My cousin was doing kendo properly, right? And he had the whole practice swords, which essentially is the bamboo with a little yeah. layer of foam. And I'm like, oh, let's spar. And okay. And I'm trying to catch the sword and all that. I'm just getting whacked in the head nonstop. I'm like, <laughs> God, this isn't working like in practice. Why? Yeah. What the hell's going on right now? This, this, not, this is not supposed to happen. Huh? You know? So I didn't, I kind of started then. You know, because the closest school was the Mergulerisi brothers, or it wasn't their school actually. It was uh, what did they? What was it called back in the day? Um, what's his name? They're the God. Why can't I remember his name right now? He had a son who was really good for a while. Philly. In Philly, uh, Maxwell, Steve Maxwell, or is it Maxwell? Like yes, Steve Maxwell, Maxwell, Maxwell yeah. Maxwell Size. You know, so yeah. Size was the only place around, but I was like seventeen, so. Getting to Philly was like 45 minutes from my house, so that was kind of hard. And uh, I, did, I, I like learned a little bit from my buddies at this point, you know, like John, like my friend John Hassett, who was doing, you know, he was doing karate. Uh, he was he did karate, and he was one who beat me up that day. Um, he's a black belt now under Helson and the Miglerisi brothers. So that's you know, he we're, we're all still in, which is kind of cool. Um, and then when I moved to Colorado, I met a Mall Easton, who's my teacher and now business partner. I met him at a mall. He was doing like, you know, trying to get students. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, I trained for like a month, ran out of money. He was teaching out of like a karate school. And then a year later in 99, I heard that he had opened, uh, he opened his own place. And I went and I was like, yo, got no money still, but I can clean. <laughs> and he was like, man, it's your lucky day. My cleaner literally just quit two hours ago. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. So, uh, and now I'm the owner, right? He and I are, you know, 50, you know, like the majority owners that like, you know, like together. So you can go from cleaner to owner. It's, it's possible. <laughs> wow. That's an amazing story, man. Like that is hard to do because I mean, I've had terrible cleaners in my gym. Like I couldn't imagine any of them making it to be partners at the gym, but, um, I had some good ones too, but he'll stay, but, he'll still <laughs> stay it's, Nobody, it's, it's, we hired until we hired professionals, nobody cleaned the gym better than me. Yeah, you know what? It, it's it's in general, not just the cleaning part, but there's something about having someone invested in the business just makes it run easier because they put their heart and soul into it versus just getting paid to do something they hate. And let's be frank, who likes to clean, right? Like no one ever likes that. So I think that's that in itself is it, it says a lot about, you know, things you can do to run a business in general is just like giving them some kind of stake or the promise of something like that. It gives them the incentive. You know, I, I've finally figured that out late in life and I think it makes a big difference. It's, it's what I call like ownership mentality, right? Yeah. When somebody yeah. who works somewhere, but like, they're not just like I'm clocking in. I actually feel like this is my place. You know, I want to make this place better. And those are rare people to find that yeah. they can, have a claim in the business without even actually having you know a percentage of the business at that point but they're just invested in it and it makes a big difference you know like in my gym i had a similar story i had a guy working night shift and he ended up opening up his own franchise under us and now he has his own gym and he's doing really well but same type of rag to riches you know uh, story but he was somebody who was invested you know like he, he knew that like he felt like it's like when you walk by the let's say the locker room and you see a little piece of garbage on the floor guy with ownership mentality is like oh, no, i'm i'm picking that up but normal guy like eh, whatever you know yeah. not my place not, not my, my trash yeah not my trash yeah exactly man and for me it was really uh i guess it's a twofold thing here um amal did a good job and i'll explain both kind of for me i think everything has a cost 
right? Like everything we do, ha- it costs something. Now, the way, you know, 90% of our students come to the school, the cost is money, right? Like, the, like they pay money, they get training. Well, for me, I didn't have any money, but I still knew that this is something that I really wanted. So I better, in my, from my perspective, I was like, man, I better clean the fuck out of this toilet because the jujitsu is really, really important to me. Like getting good at this, this is what I wanted for my life. So I, I better do a good, like I better make sure I pay up. And then I better make sure I take advantage of the opportunity I've been given by coming as much as possible. Now, for Amal, what he did on his end was he showed me a path forward. So very, you know, within months, I moved from not just cleaning, but cleaning and teaching, you know, and then I could stop teaching. We hired, you know, he hired another cleaner and I was just teaching. So and then it gradually built, you know, and I, I could always see a path. So at, uh, from a business perspective, if for your employees, even if it's a martial arts school, if people don't see the path to something more, to where 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 are they going to go next? It's a very hard thing, and I have to say it's probably one of the the things that we've done best with Easton. Is you know we have seven schools, 150 employees, uh, and we there's a there's a path forward for everybody wherever you are. You know, even the CEO has a path forward, and I'm not the CEO, and neither is them all. Nice, yeah, it's a good it's good to have that plan laid out and that uh, um. You know that that knowing that there's a lot of room for growth regardless of where you stand, and all those schools in Colorado, right? Like I've, I've been yeah, in one of them. All of them think, are, yeah, yeah, all of them on the western slope. Uh, I'm sorry, on the eastern slope, on, on in the foothills, like uh, in the Denver metro area, it's called. So yeah, they're all here. Um, yeah, and we actually just started a uh, an online thing for other schools to uh, learn how to do it a little more skillfully, uh, nice. run, run their schools. That is, you know, where we we created a course and. You know, they consult with me about, you know, just some very basic steps that they can do to uh, do a better, do a, I don't like to say better, do a more skillful job with their school because, look, schools are hurting right now. COVID sucked for every single person, right? COVID yeah. sucked. I mean, I mean, maybe Amazon, right? Amazon did pretty well. <laughs> UPS probably killed it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Walmart, a couple, a couple, yeah. Yeah, Walmart crushed it, Home Depot, all the, you know. Uh, but they had billions already, but for the rest of us, COVID really sucked. Um, and people, I would like, I would like to say people realize what's important to them and what's not important to them. And they're not going to waste their time with things that other people don't do skillfully. Like, so I think the jujitsu schools need to, the martial arts schools in general need to step their game up a little bit so that, you know, we are really providing what it is we say we're providing when somebody walks through our doors. Yeah, I mean, that's spot on. I think, uh, like you said, when people go through a crisis like this, you it really wakes you up and like, I got to tighten my ship because I can't afford to have any leaks in this funnel, you know, because yeah. Yeah, any, any, anybody that you lose potentially could be like your rent, you know what yeah. I mean? It was it was COVID was very difficult for me, you know, gym, gym owner wise, personally. And yes, it was hard. But at the end of it all, I mean, I'm not, you know, don't want to be disrespectful to people who've lost loved ones and all that. There's a lot of suffering, financial and emotional. But it was actually a good thing for me. Like, believe it or not, that actually worked in my favor. It sucked financially. I lost a ton of money. Like, I'm just doing my, my 2020 tax. That's when you realize, when you look at your tax returns, <laughs> like how much money you actually <laughs> missed out on. And that's like, oh, that sucks. But financially, notwithstanding, it was one of the best years of my life, man. Like, it was – because it was – it was an opportunity to shake things up and like, you know, change things, reset, you know, moving forward with a completely new, new mindset. And I think that I personally, maybe not just be for everyone here, I needed a hard stop. And I think COVID did that for me. It was like, you know what, let's reset and let's start all over again with a different mindset. And it really worked for me, even though, like I said, you know, financially it sucked. <laughs> Yeah, and financially, I agree. Financially, it wasn't the best. Um, I think I actually saved more money because I couldn't go anywhere, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like that might have been true. So, I think the bottom—I don't know what the bottom line for my bank accounts, personal bank, my my business bank account sucked, but my personal bank accounts, like I don't—I don't know what the bottom line ended up looking like because, I mean, I didn't do anything for a year, like <laughs> including like just going out to eat, right? You didn't do any of that like you're used to. Um, so I th- I think I was I was down for sure, but whatever. Not not something where I was like, oh my god, how am I going to eat today? 
but I would I would agree with you, bro. Uh, as an overall, and again, no, like you said, no disrespect to someone who lost a loved one. Uh, I had to look at my life a little bit again and be like, okay, is this what I want to be doing? Is yeah. this how I want to be spending my time? And most of it was a yes, more of what that most of it was, which means I had to get rid of something. So, because like I said, everything has a cost, right? Um, so where else do I want to spend my time? And, and what am I going to give up? Because you can't give up, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah, you got to be willing to let something go. So a lot of times the things that you don't want to let go are the ones that you need to let go the most, right? And that's how it, like, I, I cut some things out of my life and it's been for the better. But it was like, I can't live without this, you know, sort of thing. Like, I need this in my life, right? Or like, I have to be doing this, this and that. And then when you stop doing it, like, wait a second, this just freed up my time tremendously. It's like that 80-20 principle. That's cliche mm -hmm. to say it. But it really is one of those things. Are the things that exhaust you the most give you the least returns. And the things that don't exhaust you are actually pleasurable or give you the most returns. You just have to have the wisdom to find what those things are. And then yeah. have the balls, have the cojones to cut what you don't want. You know, like what you, because at the end of the day, okay, even if you are making a ton of money doing something you don't like, is that really how you want to live? Like I ask myself this question, would I change my, would I trade my life with Elon Musk? I wouldn't. Like, honestly, like, I don't know what his life is like, but like, I don't if think you had to be you and go do Elon Musk, no way. I mean, if you could be Elon Musk, because I think Elon Musk loves his life. He wouldn't trade with you. Yes, either, right. Mine exactly. is money. But like, I but don't you as Robert as, Drysdale, no fucking yeah. way. Yeah, I can't be, imagine how much money you made, but like even so, like I don't, I don't know, I don't know if it's a good life. I don't know. Maybe it is. It's better than mine. I have no idea. But I think that that's like you know one thing we have to learn. All well, I learned how to do is how to cut the things that aren't us. Like whatever it is that you are, that's what you have to be pursuing. Like, who are you? And once you know who you are, you can start working to become that person. Yeah, well, I think that's a, that. That's that's a huge question right there. Is who are you? Because we and and I don't think it's a one answered thing, right? No. It's, like, it's there's like no cookie cutter answer. answer yeah, there's no cookie. But I don't think people actually spend time thinking about like, wait a minute, who am I? What what you know? It's a simple question. From in my opinion, uh, I am, I can, I will. Who am I? What am I capable of? And what will I do to achieve those things? Right, and that's where you start to really find your mindset, is right. But before you can get to that, what will you do? You got to know who you are. Like what, what is it? What are these things that when, when the earth starts to shake and COVID hits and all that stuff, like what, are, what is the unmovable objects? What are the unmovable objects that are you? I think those are good questions that we all need to ask ourselves. Yeah. I think that's something that's lost on probably this generation is just self-reflection. I mean, put somebody in a room without a phone and they start going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and because their sense of identity is tied to their Instagram. It's not just that, you know, it's like they have that endorphin rush whenever they get a like or whenever they get a friend request or a comment and they're just on this pursuit of endorphins and they don't have time for anything else or, or things that matter, you know? And I think that's kind of taking people away from, if you think back like 500 years ago, you know, what were you doing around a campfire? You were having a conversation, which was probably meaningful, or you were reflecting on what happened to the day or perhaps in your life. And it gives you time to be a philosopher, yeah. you know, or to think about what your purpose is or yeah. what motivates you. But when there's a constant deluge of information that's passing through, you have to process the information. And you never have time to actually just reflect. And I, know, I was fortunate because I guess in a way, when I was younger, I was very shy, like dreadfully shy. You know, and uh, I didn't have any friends besides my brother. And I spent a lot of time to myself. So I got to reflect and think a lot yeah. as a younger man, you know. So it's not a skill that's lost on me. But I think now for people, that's probably a lot more difficult, you know, just because there's so much distraction. And it's, even if you're trying to avoid it, it's difficult, yeah. right? Like if you're just outside, there's banners and there's boards and now you go to the gas station, they have commercials playing on the gas station. You know, it's like, it's like everywhere you're going, you're being bombarded, you know? So it's I don't a, even think, yeah, I don't think it's a problem just for the young people. I think it's a problem for, for, I think there's 40 year old dudes out there that have no fucking clue who they are. Okay. Even ones like, you know, even ones that have made a lot of money and they're highly successful. And they, but, but then you watch the crumble of them. 
because they don't they've done no work on who like who is Elliot what like what what does that have a definition does that have a meaning so you can have all the money in the world like you said Robert you could be Elon Musk but <laughs> with with a ton of money but if, if Elon Musk doesn't know who Elon Musk is he's he, he's always going to be chasing that high whether it's whether it's the Instagram like which he's probably passed or whether it's it's some other high that's probably unhealthy yeah there's um the inscription over the, the the Oracle of Delphi in ancient Greece read, "Know thyself." Right, and the yeah. Oracle of Delphi was somewhere for you to walk in and ask any question. The Oracle was going to tell you, and it's like sort of like the ancient version of Google, right? You ask, and here's the answer. <laughs> but um, but like it's important that it said that know thyself because you can't. I think what they were implying is that you can't get an answer out of this unless you know who you are. You can ask any question, you're not going to get the right answer unless. You actually have an idea of who you are. And once you know yourself and you know what you're really made out of, right? And that requires a certain degree of honesty, which is difficult because we all like to think of ourselves better and higher than we actually are. It takes a tremendous amount of discipline and honesty to look at yourself and go, this is what I'm made of. And I maybe I don't like that picture, but that's the reality of who you are, right? And then you can start asking questions about, you know, what about this? What about that? And once you can start answering those questions, once you have that honest picture of yourself, I think the answers come a lot easier right and i think that's why there's so much wisdom there i know thyself because what you want to be or how you perceive yourself to be is not necessarily how you are right there are two different things you know like just to go off not kind of off topic here a while ago i don't know if i should say this or not but here we are the, di <laughs> the dice cast um i did mushrooms a while ago it was like a couple years ago and one of the more it was a very painful experience because it was what some people would refer to as a bad trip, right? It wasn't bad. It was bad at the moment, but afterwards it was like enlightening because it was it forced me to look at some things about myself that I didn't like and I was in denial about. And it was just very painful. It's like I didn't know. Like I mean, it was so crystal clear right in front of me. This is what you don't like about yourself, and it's there, and you can avoid it all you want, but that's there, right? And then it was very painful. But afterwards, the next day, I felt great because I felt like this. Thing got moved off my shoulders like okay i know now and maybe i still don't like it but at least i know for sure and i can work with that now versus being in denial about it and how can you make progress about anything if you're in complete denial about the problem right so i think the question of knowing yourself it does come down to honesty just taking a close look at yourself in the mirror and accepting whatever is there and versus trying to change it or like i'm changing but like being in denial about it the denial, I think the universe is going to come talk to you about it. You know, I, I know it did for me. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a anxiety. I am someone who can experience really intense anxiety. And I don't know, five years ago now, uh, you know, the universe said, Hey man, you're, you're going to have to fucking deal with this. And it was painful. It was long. Uh, like that, that's the subject of the book that I wrote, the gospel of fire. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a long, uncomfortable not a lot of sleep, a lot of crying, a lot of fear, uh, all wrapped up into like figuring out a little bit of like, you know, what you just said, I was in denial of it in the, and it was forced upon me to look at and address and, and go down a different path with my life. So, um, it was a very interesting, that was a very interesting experience. I mean, different than a mushroom trip or different than some type of psychedelic that kind of showed it to you. I, you know, this was something that I had buried down for years and years that I had to then address, you know, with did wild you take something? kids. Did, did I you take to, something to, to get it pop out or no? It just came out. No, on man, just dude, it was, it was, I just got back from a vacation in Hawaii <laughs> and they, I, I had just basic jet lag where, you know, you can't sleep, whatever. But the, <laughs> but the not sleeping sent me down a whirlwind. Like it, it went, it made me go crazy. Mm. Um, and then I didn't sleep. I probably didn't, you know, to the to the point where I was up all night pacing the house, having panic attack after panic attack. It was five nights in a row, no sleep. Um, you know, maybe couple, maybe catch a couple hours here or there. Um, and then I, I needed help. You know, I needed a lot of help at the end of that four days. Like I didn't, you know, uh, I was super lucky that I had people to help, uh, friends that would stay on the phone with me all night long, uh, if that what was necessary. As I like freaked the fuck out for. You know 10 hours straight <laughs> uh and then yeah it just slow i slowly had to just dive into what is this 
you know, what is this, you know, where to, and how, and how am I going to deal it and how am I going to move about my life forward? Yeah, that's a, I think that's something everyone has to go through, whether, you know, like you tap into it yourself, like you did, or you need help, like I needed help, um, you know, from like psychedelics. But I think everyone should do that. At, I mean, not sometimes or at one point in their life, but like all the time. I'm not saying you should be, you know, doing mushrooms all the time. So, like, <laughs> probably not healthy. Easy to run. No do drugs. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But I think it's it's I think it's a very necessary experience that everyone should go through in adult life at some point because there's no way that, that you're gonna be aware of every aspect of yourself. There's so much that we bury. Like I know I was, right? I'm sure there's some things about you that you buried that you're it's just too painful to confront, right? But that right there is the first step. And once you once you figure that out, like knowing yourself, it I think it's so much easier to plan your life and live the life that you want to live because it's based off of your nature. Right, the way I've always looked at it, it's like if you have like a, a like a marble stone, there's only so many things you can carve out of it. Like that's what's given you, but you can shape it in many different ways. You just got to find out what kind of marble stone you're given when you're born, and then you shape yourself accordingly to what you actually want to be. But it's not something that is done. You know, it's not easier said than done, of course. But I think that's how you go about like living the life that you want to live. It's just finding out what you're made of first and foremost. Like find out what you're made of, and then you can go from there. And I think there's also a process that you have to constantly reflect again because we're not static. Yeah. We're changing, right? And uh, I think it's something Elliot you were mentioning before the podcast started was like how like fighters transition post career because mm -hmm. you might have found yourself before and like I'm a fighter, I want to you know challenge myself and push my body to its limits. But then once your career ends. If you're still tied to that old identity, then you have that pain because you're longing for something that's no longer there. And like yeah. you haven't made a new identity for yourself or you haven't transitioned into something different. So like that's why like you were saying, we do have to reflect, well, maybe not constantly, but on a regular basis to see where we're at. Especially like you go from a single person to having kids. Now things change a lot. Your identity is totally different now. Like how are you gonna be how are you gonna recalibrate? But if, if you still tied into that old person, there's going to be a lot of frustration in your life because you're like, oh, you know, I want to be out and partying and stuff like that. But that's not what a father does. You know, it's, it's a different life now. And enjoy the new identity, too, yeah. instead of just like, oh, I hate this new self. It's like embrace it and love it. And if you don't like it, then it, maybe it's not you. Like you got to find, find something else that you actually do love. Yeah, you ha you know, it, it just it comes down to the, you know, again, what what is the self? Who is the who are who are you in? Being being comfortable with the shifts and the shifts, the shift itself might be uncomfortable, might be very, very uncomfortable. Um, but uh, the universe moves where the universe moves. We we have really no control over that. Like, and as far as the fighter piece, right? Father Time is always the winner, <laughs> right? Like yeah. he's he's never lost. He's undefeated. <laughs> so at some point, um, you you will be moving on. You know, um, how what will that look like? And just being the quote unquote best, it won't be enough. You know, it won't be enough when that time comes for you to move on because there's so many people that during their times were the best, right? That it's, it's very cool. Don't, I mean, I'm taking nothing. I was never the best. So that's fine. Um, I'm taking nothing away from like, for example, Robert, when you were the best, right? You won the ADCC absolute. You're the best, you know? Um, but I had a, I had uh, George St. Pierre on the podcast, on my podcast, and he said something very interesting about this idea of best. And he was like, look, I was only the best that day. And he's, he's a goat, right? He's not yeah. just the best. He's a goat. And he was like, I was only the best that day. Like, I, if it was the next day, we don't know if I was the best. So this whole idea of being the best, we, we need to move on from that. You know, it, it's, it's cool. But, and this is somebody who was, I mean, a goat of goats. Right. So I think we can take a little more learning from him rather than some of what we're seeing these days. Well, it's probably given it a lot of thought because he was on top of the world for so long. And my guess is that he didn't feel satisfied. So how can you be a multiple time UFC champion and still not feel fulfilled? Like, and my guess is that's where that reflection comes from. It's an illusion. It's a completely arbitrary mark to say I'm the best because he's right. You can only be the best for maybe you can be the best like a few years in a row at best, you know, like, but he's right. Like maybe he had a bad day. He, he, he loses.
one catches him. And that, I mean, he's no, I mean, does that diminish who he is and his effort and his merit? Does that take away from him as a person? Does that diminish his character anyway? So I think that at the end of the day, we have to, we shouldn't look at marks like a UFC belt or being the best or winning the medal. I think the real mark is, are you improving and what are you doing to improve? Because if you're constantly improving, even if you're not, you might find more gratification with the knowledge that you are improving on yourself than with the fact you actually have a gold medal around your neck. Because the gold medal itself is not necessarily satisfying. Yeah, I think I, the word like skillful, I, I, I really try to use my friend Alex got me using these two words. Yeah. Like rather than saying good and bad, skillful and unskillful. You know, because like was I skillful today? Because we can always, even even when you're the best, the goal is more skill. Can I be more skillful tomorrow? Right? And even let's say you're the worst, just be more skillful. Like, so it's always, okay, that was skillful, that was unskillful. And when it's unskillful, you don't have to put this shame on yourself. Oh my God, I'm so, I'm so bad or blah, blah, that was so bad or that was so terrible, you know? And we, we can do that so easily to ourselves that it's like, all right, yep, that wasn't so skillful. I'll try to be more tomorrow. So... That, you know, that's really, really my kid has anxiety. You know, he, my oldest kid is just like me. You know, he experiences it and excuse me. And then that those the, that language shift in my household has been such a game changer for him because he doesn't have to be bad anymore. And he's got this hang. He's got this hang up on being bad. And it's like to the point where I mean, I couldn't believe it the other day. You know, he goes to see a therapist and my wife and I had a meeting with this therapist and he he literally has like this trauma from nothing from like this one incident like she asked him when was the last time he really got in trouble and i mean he's 11 he remembered it from 4 years ago like it happened yesterday to him and i was like oh my god like yeah, you know i was like damn so he's like this sensitive soul so the language change has really helped and it's really helped me like i don't you know i can just try to be more skillful yeah, that's the thing, you know, with uh, experiences, they're different for everybody, but you might yeah. perceive as, like, not a big deal. could be, like you said, like a traumatizing event for somebody else and not being Don't sensitive get me wrong, to it. He was in not trouble. Aware. Yeah. yeah, he was in trouble. Like, he got in trouble. I, 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 rem- I mean, I remember it now. <laughs> like, they were in trouble. They, the, the two of them did something bad, but Marcos, I'm sure, I mean, sorry, Dave, I'm sure you and Marcos did something bad, right? And you got in trouble as brothers. Buried it. No, they were perfect. They were <laughs> perfect. Yeah, they were perfect. The Avalon brothers mom were perfect. I have to bring Dave's mom and dad here. One Let's get mom and pop Avalon right now. Zoom them in. I'm not, honestly, I'm actually pretty innocent. Yeah. My brother was a little bit more of a shit starter. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Elliot, you, you see my brother in competitions. He had a short fuse back in the day. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he, he did. He did. At grab, he I remember at Grappa's Quest. Flipped a few tables before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was very, uh, particularly around people he loved, he was very defensive. Like, because it came from me, because like I was telling you before, when I was younger, I was very shy. And and I was also very overweight. I was 130 pounds in third grade, so uh, not target for people to bully. Yeah, yeah. And whenever he saw that, he just went to fight mode. And and he's older than you, right? He's a year older than me. Yeah. So, uh, he was protective of you. He was very protective. Yeah, and that continues on. You know, like he's protective of everybody in his family and that inner circle. And so like. it's good it's i mean it's a protective instinct but you also have to know how to keep it in check because when he was younger he would get into like road rage things where somebody come off and give him the finger he would be getting out of the car i'm like bro what are you doing are you on your mind you don't even know what (laughs) that guy yeah that guy could have a gun in his car and i god knows what you know that you never know what's going to happen but like obviously now he's five kids and that has a way of tempering you a bit you know he's matured a bit more but yeah don't mess with the papa bear, you know. <laughs> You're playing with the cubs, so <laughs> that inner animal will come out. It could be. I, I can see myself. I've never been that protective. I mean, my, my kids, only to a certain degree. Like I, I don't mind them. Like you know, I'm watching. Like if I see them like arguing with kids, I'm always watching. But I kind of want to see how they resolve the issue too. But there is a part of me that feels like, oh, you touch my daughter. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like there is the little gorilla in there that, you know, like, and I've always been like pretty much 
control, but there, there is, I, I think that every person has that in there. You know, you just go ape shit, you know, like I've, yeah. I've no, I've lost my shit like more than a few times in my life. For the most part, I try to tame myself, but I think we all have that with family. It comes out a lot faster. So. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Man, I, I like you're saying with your kid, I'm, I'm in a situation right now. I just got off the phone. I was a couple minutes late because we were dealing with the school. There's a kid. Uh, it's been going on for a little on and off for a year here. And I'm just sick of it, you know, with, with this kid. And I, if, like, I'm like, look, Simon, my youngest, I'm like, look, if, if he touches you again, you're just going to get into a fight. Like, go, go ahead. You know, like you're not going to get in trouble here at home. So, but I'm trying to deal with it on the other end with the school too, right? Because he does get in trouble at school, right? Like they, they can't have everyone fighting. So I understand that perspective. So I'm dealing with it. You know, my wife and I are on the phone with the school right now or going back and forth of like, that's why I said I'm picking a fight for my kid because I'm telling the school, I'm like, look, the kid won't touch him again. Like, I understand we can do whatever you want. Like we can have agreements and whatever. But if, if he touches him one more time, there's going to be a fight. So I just want you to be aware of this because... I don't want the school to solve. I, I think it's a problem that we have going on, especially in the parenting side of things. We're trying to solve our kids' problems like all the time. And it is not healthy. Like, like it is just not healthy. They they need to go out and solve their own problems. They need to go out and figure their own fun out. Uh, all of it. Like my wife texted me today. She was like, Oh, all of Canaan's friends are meeting at Wildflower Park, a park by our house, to play. And I'm like, Yeah, I know. We handled this. It's because Put your kids out there. Go ride your bike to your friend's house. Like the moms and dads don't have to send text messages to help our kids play. Like it's yeah. not how it works, right? Like we're we're we're. we're uh, do you guys ever read the coddling of the American mind? I have not. It's a no. great book. It's a, it's a great book just about you know about what you know parenting and schools and 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 colleges. But it's got a it's got a great line in it. It said, "Are we are we?" Create, are we uh, preparing our kids for the road or are we trying to prepare the road for our kids? And I feel like we're doing a lot of the other end right now. Yeah. Right? We're trying to prepare the road for the kid. And it's not the kid's fault when they turn out and they can't do anything because yeah. they never you know what it is? gave them things it, to do. It, there's this huge effort to prevent any kind of suffering or pain on the part of children. And right. the truth is whatever happens to you in your childhood, however, like – I mean, like you get picked on, that's preparing you for life because you're going to get picked on your whole life. It's just going to get worse mm -hmm. as an adult. And the thing is because we shelter kids so much, they're completely unequipped, right, to deal with adult life. And that deals with frustration or like I'm quitting or I think that's a big part where the anxiety comes from. It's like a sense of I can, I can overcome this because there's no train. It's like your immune system. You have to get dirty to strengthen your immune system and it sucks, but that's how you develop a strong immune system, yeah. right? If you want to call your kid too much and you don't let him put anything in his mouth and there's never any dirt around and everything's perfect, spotless, clean, that's how you create a weak immune system on a child. And like no one wants to hear that, but I think that's the same for everything, for like your social environment. You have to be ready to deal with shitty people. And that means, yeah, in school, some days you're going to have a bad... Yeah. Dude, I got picked on so much. I was an American kid in Brazil. I have any idea how much I got picked on in school? Like a ton. Like I had to fight like all the time. Yeah, now there's levels to it, right? Like yeah. there's levels to it of, of, of what's too much and too little. And and like I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help my kid on the back end to make sure he doesn't get in too much trouble. But I'm for sure not trying to stop the fight, like him dealing with it. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the, like it's anything just... Wrong with kids. You know, like, oh yeah, they, they need to resolve this stuff. Yeah. I actually think it's almost like a good thing. I mean, like it's part of like the journey of growing up. It's like every now and then, you know, you're gonna have to have an, an because that's what's gonna happen in adult life, guys. I know it's not very politically clear, but that's it's going to happen. Yeah. You might as well be prepared where there's not a lot on the line and it's in a small doses, right? Right. Versus like all of your story you're thrown into the real world, and now everyone's trying to eat you alive and you're not prepared for it. Yeah, you know, hey, I, 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 Rob, I know. Go ahead, sorry. I look back like when I guess we were all the same age or when we were all kids and the stuff that I would do and nowadays it'd be like forbidden. It'd be like, Are you crazy? Like yeah. your parents are completely negligent. Like what? You walked like two miles to go to school by yeah. yourself? Yeah. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, no. You know? Or my parents once I was like fourteen, our gardener had it was kind of a, you know, like, I think he was serving the military or whatnot. And he, oh, you want to go, like, uh, paintballing one day? 
I was like, yeah, okay. And my parents let me go paintballing with this guy who we didn't really know other than he's the gardener with a group of like men that I've never met before all by myself. Yeah. And I, it was a fun experience. Yeah. Although the, the jerks on the other team, they were using like highly pressurized paintballs, which you're not <laughs> supposed to use. Like there's like, I forget, there's a certain PSI that you're supposed <laughs> to pump them. They shot a hole through my helmet. And I, like, they, like, and they, my <laughs> uncle gave me like, it looked like a predator helmet. Like yeah. it was like full out. And they shot a hole in it. And I remember it started a whole fight situation, which got pretty tense. And here I'm a 14 year old, there's a bunch of like a 30 year old men about to throw down because somebody was cranking their paintballs too much, you know? But like, I lived, you know? And I remember afterwards, I'm like, this was crazy. I should have never done this. But like, you know, like we got to do things like that and we got to fight and, you know, and you learn how to handle yourself and how, like, I, like I joke with my girlfriend all the time, you know, and, uh, like if you were a man, you would have gotten your ass beaten so many times because the type of stuff she'll say sometimes to me, I'm like, man, this is someone who's never been in a fight before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I joke well, with all the denying guys. that. We're denying yeah. that that we're denying that that privilege, right? We're denying that privilege from our sons. <laughs> you know, like, goddamn, like you, this is part of being a man. This is part of growing up in the world. Like, you know, you said your girlfriend does that, right? Like, I get it. My, my wife does it too. I'm like, goddamn, baby, you can't fucking say that shit, you know? <laughs> um, but she says it. But you have to know that you can't say that shit. You can't just say what, the, what you want to say all the time. You, the consequence of getting your ass beat always has to be on the table, in my opinion. And yeah, you have yeah. to be like, well, I'm going to say this. And we'll see where it goes. Or you know what? That's Francis Ngannou over there. I'm gonna shut the <laughs> fuck up. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> you know. And I'm say, just gonna. Like, you don't get to pick yeah. a fight with Francis Ngannou just because he can't beat your ass. It's not yeah. how it works. <laughs> yeah. <the> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to be like, yep, I'm gonna eat that one, Francis. You cut in line. Have at it, buddy. You know. Yeah. And may or maybe you gotta go fight. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. You know, I I don't know which one it is. I would Depending on the situation. I'm here if I start on his back with the Renaked choke. I'm pretty sure I'd win. Like other than that. All right, here, <laughs> let's get controversial. I'll tell you out. the one time I'm fighting Francis. I'm fighting Francis. If Francis slaps me the way Gordon slapped Galvao, oh, I got to go catch that oh, knockout. We talked about that. I got to go catch that yeah. knockout. Yeah, I made that exact same example, too. Like if Francis yeah. slapped me like that, what would I do? I'm like, oh, I saw Yeah, because Francis trains at Robert's gym from time to time. Yeah. So Robert was measuring him up. He's like, uh, I can't I don't know if I can take this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. You No, you just go. You grab a leg. You start screaming, right? Like, you better hope your homies are there, right? You better hope your homies are there to come help you. But, like, you got to go catch that knockout if that's what it takes. You can't get fucking slapped like that. Like, there is no way you can get slapped like that. Andre is just never. It's it's it. Thirty years from now, that shit's still gonna come up. That oh, yeah, I mean, yeah and I, that I was terrible. His career forever. Mm -hmm. And like a fighter, like forever. if you're an accountant and then another accountant slaps you like that, that's bad enough. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you're an accountant, yeah. like you're like you know a gardener, maybe you're no, you're, no, someone does no, that. It's bro. Already, it's already terrible. But if Francis Ngannou slaps a gardener like that, yeah, no. <laughs> Francis Ngannou slaps a gardener. The gardener's got to go fight. You can't get slapped like that. No. I, I'm with you. Yeah, man. and the worst yeah. part, like, <laughs> let's say, like, it was private. Like, right now, like, no cameras. Robert slaps me in the face, and, like, I dick talk. I'm like, okay, at least it's only Robert. But they were on camera, man. Oh, no. Oh, Everybody's watching that thing, dude. Like, at least for your, you know, I don't know, like you said, for your legacy you know, and all like, that, you got to do something, it's man. It's politically incorrect to say it, but I'm going to say because I think we're missing that. You got to man the fuck up. Yeah. You know, you can't, oh, you said, you got to man, like, but that's what I think is missing in this equation. You got to man up. You got to get some pericojones, like, hold on to them and go, like, I still got them. They're there. And go to war. Like, what else are you going to do, man? You got to do yeah, I, I don't think it needs to be so politically incorrect. Just like, I don't know. I've been I, I, I put out something every Monday on my podcast, like just a like a motivational thing or whatever. I've been I've been talking about like the idea of toxic masculinity, like to say, like, you know, like what you just said, you got to man up and masculinity being a man's not toxic. The behavior that we're calling toxic masculinity is very toxic. 
I, you know, I like, you know, that I, be, I agree with. I just don't think it's being a man. So I, 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 don't, I don't understand what they mean by toxic masculinity. Like, I, yeah. like I, I hear a lot of these new slogans and like these new ideas coming up. And I'm like, to me, they don't, they, they're so um, they're, they're so irrational. They don't make any sense to me. So like, I have a hard time even keeping up. What, what is meant by toxic masculinity? Uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump, right? I think that like, all of the behaviors that Donald Trump does, wherever you see him as a president, just how he is as a human, like I think that's what would be classified as toxic masculinity. I would agree that the behavior is very toxic. I would just disagree that it's masculine. I was like, that's not it's the not definition. Masculine. Of masculine. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's toxic. You know, whatever you like, like his rhetoric or not, the point, but. It is nothing to do with being a man. What I understand is it's something that if you say something like be a man or uh, act like a man or um, I think it has to do with a conflict with what is perceived as a gender role. When you say something like you're being ultra masculine, like that means you are saying that there are roles in nature, which clearly there are. Um, it's not me. It's mother nature. But um uh, I think that's what is meant and it's not clear to me what exactly you're supposed to be like because when I see the people who are not toxic masculines, they're very feminine and that's not something I want to be or I would yeah, want I my sons yeah. to be and I don't no. think women are attracted to that to begin with. Yeah, I think when you talk about like a what I would consider like a traditional masculine role would be yeah. someone who's assertive, who's confident, confident yeah. and willing confident. to get their and willing to get their hands dirty if they have to to protect what needs to be protected, you know. Whether or it's just a do the job that's necessary, right? Like, just do the like get your hands dirty in a lot of different arenas. Like, if yeah. that's the laundry or if that's protecting the family, the laundry yep. needs to get done. Do the fucking laundry and cook the dish, clean the clean the dishes and cook the food. If that's yep. what's necessary, right? If that's yeah. if that's you know if that's where your role is, you know. Now, yeah. like, just for example, in my house, man, I can't fix shit. I'm terrible at it, but you know who's really good at it? My wife. My wife yeah. is amazing at it. My wife, my wife set a bathtub by herself. I was like, "Damn, babe, holy shit!" Um, and it's not easy, right? You know. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, so we switch the roles a little bit. You know who? You know who cleans and does the laundry? You know who like cleans the kitchen more and does the laundry? Me, because uh -huh. she's doing something else. But that doesn't make yeah. one of us less masculine, the other or her exactly. less feminine. Exactly. No, all these dudes. That's just... not masculine. You just redefine it. Like, yes. I do all the cooking, but cooking's manly as fuck right now. So right. I'm good with that. What I say, I, I guess what I'm well, like is that I, I, I think men are meant, like, we're supposed to be confident and, and, and strong figures emotionally. And I think that's when I say masculine, like, that's kind of what I mean. And I think that's. That's normal, but it's almost like the whole idea of masculinity is being attacked, like the whole thing altogether. I'm not suggesting that like it's all your game for doing the dishes or cooking. I'm like, no, I wish I knew how to cook. I don't. I can do the dishes. I don't like it, but I can, you know. But like, I don't yeah. think it's unmanly to do something like clean. I, that's not what I'm suggesting. But I think I know there's you're a saying lot they're, they're, about being a man. Like even like, like okay, like a kid slaps you, you don't go to the principal. You punch him in the face. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that's to me is a masculine thing to do, and I don't, I don't think that's a that's bad. I think that someone hits you, yeah. you should have the right to like punch him back. Like what the fuck? And it's not I just know, that. I want my daughter to do it too, though. Yeah, that exactly. one I want my daughter exactly. to do too. Like if someone oh, my, punches my, my, my daughters daughter? are not leaving the house unless they're black belt to jujitsu. That's the rule. <laughs> like you're gonna have to run out of scrap. Like you're gonna have to learn how to take someone down and choke them out if you have to. You're not leaving the house yeah. until you're black belt. That's the rule. Yeah, and and some people think like who are anti-violence are like, oh, oh, you know, like you shouldn't hit somebody or you should resolve it. But the reality is, like on a practical level, pain is a very good communicator. Yeah. When you can't reason with somebody, you you know, and like there's just a fundamental disagreement that you can't get across, pain teaches you. And that's why, like, for me, like, when you hit children, it's very young children that you can't reason with yet. And the idea is not revenge or anger. It's just like, hey, snap out of what you're doing. Like, this is what I'm trying to get something across to you, you know? And that's the intent behind it. So, like, if someone's touching you or pushing you, you smack them back, like, you cross a boundary, and this is what's going to happen, you pass it. It's a very practical thing to do. It's not like, uh, oh, you know, your your ego is crushed, and that's why you're trying to, you know, hit somebody. No, it's like you're setting boundaries because, 
Like what happened with, with Galvao, he's like set an example for a lot of people, a negative example, which is like, you know, he let this guy get walked all over. First of all, he yeah. started the altercation and then he let himself get walked all over. It's a very terrible example to follow. You it know, would, like, it would have, yeah, the Galvao example. If he didn't start it, then it would have been different, right? If Gordon just yeah. would have walked up to him and smacked him, it would have been totally different. No. Yeah, you, the, yeah the, so. The worst part is what Dave brought up when we were talking about this, is that after he started it, he got bitch slapped, and he kept chasing Gordon afterwards. <laughs> just still talking. And then got bitch slapped again. And then got bitch slapped again. And you try to sell people your website. Yeah, no, like, we're done. It's, it's over. I told my students, I was like, man, guys, if you ever, I was like, we got two rules going on right now. If you ever see me get bitch slapped like that and not do anything, you can cancel and I'll give you all of your money back that you have ever paid. Yeah. And two, if you're present when I get bitch slapped like that, you better be in there with me. <laughs> 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 I, I was talking to Pedro Pano and Cavaca about this on a, on a podcast we did in Portuguese, and he said that that's that's you know it's a side effect too of a culture where there's no such thing as loyalty anymore. Because back in the day, or even one of my bros, like you know, I consider Dave a good friend of mine. Like if I saw him, you know, and if you didn't have time to react or whatever, like I'd jump on the guy in a heartbeat. Like there's no question in my mind that I would go to war for my bros. And under his he gets slapped, and everyone's just watching. I'm like. Where's your fucking brothers, man? Like, what's happening there? Where's, where's, where's where? Where are your troops, man? Yeah. Like, where are your your loyal troops? Because I I would like to think that my closest friends would attack anyone who attacked me, like in, in a heartbeat. They wouldn't even think about it, right? It wouldn't be a question. Like, it's just you just go. You don't ask questions. What happened? <laughs> you you yeah. punch first, no, you, then you, you ask who's be right and who's wrong. It's possible that you could be totally wrong, but my closest people, it doesn't matter if I'm totally wrong. They're in it with me. Like, that's the thing. Like, I could be totally in the wrong, but if they see it, they come. Let's go. So yeah, it's, it's, it was, he, that, that's my asshole. Yeah. 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 No, but so that, that the whole thing. point, like the, uh, yeah, I, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they'll, you know, and I, I, I definitely stand a little more left of center, but I, I think the attacking of the masculine gender, uh, I think it's a mistake. I think we need stronger, more confident, more men who know who they are. More, you know, like like back what we were talking about before. Now, look, men got to step it up here. I don't think men are doing a super great job of being vulnerable, being emotionally there for other men, you know. Being emotionally there for their kids, uh, so yeah, I mean, we have some work to do. I I can see the reason to attack men, not the masculine traits, though. Yeah, and I think part of it, like you said, like one of the things that traditionally masculinity, well, I guess toxic masculinity is associated with, is like the lack of vulnerability or like emotional yeah. accessibility. And I, to me, that's a not necessarily a sign of masculinity is more of a sign of somebody who doesn't have a good circle, right? Like you don't have loyal uh, brothers around you to protect you because yeah, I, you wouldn't want to be emotionally available to somebody you don't trust, right? You would feel like they could use yeah. that against you. Like if I, if I was going to compete against Robert and I start telling him all my dirty secrets, I'm like, that's kind of a dangerous thing to tell a competitor. Yeah. He's going to come and he's going to use all that against me. Yeah. But I, I think that's a sign more of the times like, there's so many people that don't really have trust of the people around them that they can't even open themselves up. And you're talking about not just brothers, I mean, wives, you know, like people holding back stuff from their, from their wives, you know, and it's stuff that's very important to them and that's holding them back. I think that's, again, a sign of weakness from that person because they don't know who around them to trust. And if, if you don't have people around you that you, that you trust that you can open yourself up to, you know, it's a problem it because courage to open up. It does. And I think even opening up to yourself is a challenge, right? But then there are certain things that you can't uncover on your own. There might be, it's so deep in there, you know, that's when you go to a therapist or, or whatnot, you know, and uh, to help dig that out of you. But if I you don't have the. It's one of those things, it comes down again like this who you are thing because, uh, you know, like the if, know thyself because. When you don't know who you are, your weaknesses can be used against you. They, they truly can. And when you know exactly who you are, what, what would you like to say to me about where I'm bad? Uh, I know I can be a little, I know I can be insecure. 
I know I have this imposter syndrome sometimes. I know I have anxiety. I know I can snap really quickly when certain things are triggered. Um, so good for you. Go, go ahead. Use like, uh, I always like to liken it to eight mile. You guys saw the movie eight mile, right? I, I did. Eminem, right. Yeah. Over them and Right. And, and you know, some dude fucks his girl and, and, you know, he throws up on himself and he loses his job and all this stuff happens. And, you know, he's in these rap battles and he can't perform. But then in the last rap battle, like he makes it to the finals against Papa Doc and he, and he wants, and he chooses to go first. And normally you want to go second in the rap battle. And he chooses to go first, and he just literally says everything that Papa Doc is going to say. He's going to say, you're going to say, homie, fuck my girl. You're going to say this, blah, 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 blah. He goes, now what you got, motherfucker? And the guy just has nothing to say because Eminem took it from him. Eminem knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he was. He goes, yeah, that's me. So what? So it comes down to that, who are you, peace? And is that peace, uh, like, I don't know, I I say my... I say my I am's to myself every morning. I'm a father. I'm a teacher. I'm a student. I'm a leader. I'm a fighter. And I am, I'm, I'm enough. And I'm a survivor. So I, like every morning when I get up, I do my thing and I say those things to myself. So that way, even when I have a skillful day or unskillful day, they don't, none of them type those things because those things are just always true. And I, and I think if, if more men could know who they are, and really work through that, then all of our weaknesses, we wouldn't have to try to hide them so much. Um, you know, They're, they, they can just be seen and we can just try to work on them rather than to be like, oh, no, 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 that's not me. So, I don't know, just my, my two cents on the whole no, toxic masculinity. No, 100%. Yeah, that's a solid point. If you know what you are, and it's, it's like when you have a nickname that you don't like and you try to shy away from it, that's when everybody rags on you, right? Like they, yeah, they, that's, they, they'll, that's, they'll, your, like, that's called your nickname now. <laughs> that's exactly. your nickname now. <laughs> you know, uh, um, the way I look at someone trying to pick on you or point something about whatever is like, it, it, there are only two possible scenarios when someone offends you, right? It's either true or false, right? If I offend Dave and I say, Dave, you're hairy, right? It's, 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 it's true. <laughs> like you can either accept it and be like, or shave or do something or... Or it's going to be false, and if it's false, why do you care? So if it's true, you accept it, and just like it is what it is, I'm aware of it, so you can't offend me because I've known this my whole life, yeah. right? And if it's false, like why do you care? So like to me, being offended is not a real thing. Like it's it's not a place to be. You can't be offended unless you have issues with yourself. Because if you're overweight, right, and someone calls you fat, why would you be offended if you're fully aware of it? Like, I don't understand why anyone, like, okay, like, Rob, you got a massive head and a hole in your chest. I'm aware of it. I've known it my whole life. You're not telling me anything I don't see in front of the mirror every day. Why would I be offended? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's, it's, I think it has to do with a lot of it goes back to self-esteem. Like, what do you, are you okay with yourself? And if you are, like, how is anyone going to hurt you? Well, it's we kind take of... a lot of things personally, right? Like, we, we yeah. break, uh. The, the four agreements you we break the you know the second agreement of the four agreements is is we take it personally and as soon as you start taking it personally you start to become offended yeah that's why you took the words out. i was gonna say you know those people who who look to insult and others are usually spitting out the venom of their own you know like yeah. the same type of insults they use against you is uh, is usually the same type of insults they use against themselves yeah that's why they're so good at it they can recognize the weakness they see in themselves and others and exploit it if someone's attacking you i think it says more about the person who's trying to hurt you because if you're trying to hurt someone that means you're not because i hear the thing the happiest people i've ever met in my life they never attacked anyone because they're perfectly okay with how the world is and they accept it and they're fine but i think there's something about attacking other people that says something about how you feel right it's really about the person so when people attack me i always be like oh man like there's probably a lot going on with that person they probably don't like that thing about themselves you know or they feel insecure about the way they look or whatever but i, I think that you just so i should almost like run and this is why i don't think political correctness is so damaging and in some instances and this is one of them like in brazil all we did was make fun of each other if you listen to two brazilians talking there's a 90 percent chance they're talking shit to each other like all they do is make the political correctness is not a real thing there like all they do is make fun of you the whole time they're making fun of you whatever if your girlfriend cheated on you they're gonna tease you about that for the rest of your life no one's gonna go oh that's messed up i'm sorry are you okay no they're gonna make fun of you 
it's got a birth defect. They're going to make fun of your birthday. And that's how it is, right? You can't. But your best just, friend's going to do it, you're saying. Your best friends are going to do it. A, it's a sign that they love you. That's why they're making fun of you. And B, you become immune to it at some point because you realize, yes. like, it's not that important. I can make fun of him. He can make fun of me. We don't have to be offended all the time. And you know what? He's my bro. And when he, someone slaps me, I know that guy has my back. It's almost like they're doing the, I, the, the idea of a microaggression, it, it drives me insane. Yeah. It drives me insane. It totally drives like, man, I want to be microaggressed against all the time. Please. <laughs> right. Like, like, please, please just micro against microaggress against me all fucking fun, day. You think microaggress? Yeah, man. Up. Yeah. Microaggression. Uh, it's, it's, it's the new PC thing. Like if you ask somebody where they're from, it's a microaggression because you're assuming that they couldn't actually be from where you are. So therefore, how could oh, they be oh, accepted and up. with you? Oh yeah, bro. We oh, man, trust up. me. So with with 150 employees, man, you have to do uh, sensitivity training so that you don't get fucking sued. So we had yeah. to do a sensitivity training, and you know we did four of them throughout the schools. And the first oh, one nice. talked about that, and I immediately called whoever, like the our our the our one of our assistants who set it up. I was like, yo, we need to change that because we can't fucking say that because all we do in jujitsu is microaggress. This is all we do. Yeah. Right, all day we microaggress. I'm trying to choke you the fuck out. Right, I'm trying to beat you. Up. This is a fucking like this. We're, we're this is what we teach people how to handle in their real life. I'm trying to choke like, you out because I love you. Yeah, because I love you. Because <laughs> I don't want someone who who's shit who's a shithead to choke you out. Yeah, yeah, you know, microaggression. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is one of the benefits of martial arts and fighting in general, right? You, when someone's choked you unconscious, which I have. The pleasure of had many times. <laughs> both like, ends, if, right? We've been on both ends. <laughs> actually, I've only been on one end. Like, I've never, it's my whole career, I've never, well, not never. I've only had like two injuries I've caused in somebody, and it was their fault. You never choked some people, people tapped every time? I've, every, I've had he, people, when I do heel hooks, they tap before it even sets in competition. And a choke. I've always had people tap, you know. So must, that's why, like, people are like, oh, you know, you, you, uh, they always expect that I've broken people's arms and stuff like that. They're like, never have. Everybody was always tapped, you know, or I didn't get it. But I've never had that problem. But uh, what I was going to with the point was that when you've gone through those type of real existential crises, which you're gonna die or you're gonna get something broken, when people are like insult you it's like that's all you got that like, you know there's no substance behind it right or the intent is not serious like if robert asked me where i'm from you know i don't really care or if robert says hey you look like a hairy ape probably true right yeah. you know like it doesn't bother me because yeah. it's not a real thing like to me real how problems, else are you supposed to start a conversation hey how you doing what's your name where are you from yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know and now that's a microaggression. Jesus Christ. Oh, forget about that. We're not even going to get into the pronouns here, okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> microaggression. That's a new one. I, like, I, guys, I, I actually got to go. I don't got time for pronouns. <laughs> Dude, no, but this is a lot of fun, man, for sure. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No problem. So, Elliot, let the people know where they can find you, your podcast, your book, and yeah, all, all of your stuff. So, both are called The Gospel of Fire. Um, the podcast and the book. The best way to find them both is off of my Instagram, FireMarshall205. Uh, and right now I'm actually giving my book away as an, uh, a downloadable e-copy, like the, the manuscript, like as a nice. downloadable PDF. You can go on my Instagram and get it for free. So, uh, you, yeah, that is, uh, again, FireMarshall205. That's the best way to contact me. I try to respond to everyone. Uh, I do my very best to respond to everyone on Instagram. I, I'm not the best anywhere else on Twitter or Messenger or, or any of that. So um, hit me up on Instagram. Go check out my stuff. My website's elliotmarshall.com. Um, if you're a school owner and you're looking for some help, it's easton.online. Uh, so we, we have a bunch of free webinars there, like how to, how to do sales, how to set appointments. And then I don't even remember what the other one is. Uh, I don't remember what the other one is. So, but yeah. Uh, we have three free webinars, uh, on Easton dot online. So yeah, those two places mostly is, and then uh, you'll get whatever you need.
Excellent. Uh, again, people take advantage of it, especially if you're a school owner, because everybody wants to find the latest YouTube video or broom below or whatever. That's not going to make your business work. <laughs> right? So uh, it's, a, it's a great service yeah. you're doing, Elliot, helping people out and giving yeah, we, people webinars. We start and, with core values, you know, like what are the core values of you in the school? And then we go into all the business stuff, right? Like the business stuff, like if, if you don't know, if you will go here or there for money, then, I mean, just go sell drugs because... <laughs> where, right? like that's where it ends. like just do whatever that that would get you richer than than being a, a martial arts teacher so what are the values that you hold what are the value the core values of the school um so we start there and then and then we do the business stuff like you know are you paying attention to your leads getting more leads uh you know how do you answer the phone how do you set up you know getting someone into your school so um and it's all got to follow in line with the core values so yeah check us out easton.online fire marshal 205 Hit me up, Fire Marshal 205, and I'll, if you're looking for Easton Online, I'll get you to Easton Online, too. Awesome. Guys, thank, thank you, man. You so it was a much. pleasure. Elliot, it was a pleasure. If you're ever in Vegas, man, definitely stop by. I'll stop by, check out your gym out next time I'm in Colorado. And, uh, yeah, man, always a pleasure. Sounds, sounds great, guys. Nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for getting me in. Absolutely, man. Take care. Until next time. Yeah. Ciao. Yep. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, like, comment, share, and all that good stuff for social media. And um, you can find all of our links, whether you want to watch on YouTube or you're podcasting or whatnot. You can go to breakingtheguard.com to get links to all the different platforms and see all the episodes that we have available online. And they're available both on YouTube and all the podcast mediums. A final word from one of our sponsors which is the Kimura Trap System. Guys, we're in 2021. This is almost now a decade since I launched the Kimura Trap System. And there's still people out there that don't know it yet. And I don't fault you. You might be new to Jiu-Jitsu or you might have been living in Iraq. I'm sure a lot of us have <laughs> in 2020. So go ahead, check out KimuraTrap.com. Ask him, what is a Kimura Trap? Well, if you're familiar with a Kimura, it's a shoulder lock. But the Kimura trap, a lot of people think it's a position, but really it's the concept of using the Kimura not just as a submission, but as a grip. And once you realize that the Kimura is the most powerful grip you can have in combat sports, it changes the way you look at it because you can use it to throw, sweep, uh, pass guard, take the back, transition into other submissions and pretty much anything you can think of you can do the kimura trap and execute it and you don't have to be big and strong or tall and lanky it works for all body types which is one of the reasons why i love teaching it because i know i can affect everybody's game with it whether you're a top player bottom player you're fast and loose you're slow and tight it can improve your game in ways that you can't even imagine Again, the Kimura Trap System course is available online. It's only $97 right now. And for my viewers and listeners here, if you put in the coupon code KLDIS87, you'll get $20 off. So you'll, you'll get it just for $77. All you got to do is go to KimuraTrap.com, go to the order page, and under the promo code, put KLDIS87, and you'll get $20 off. And that gives you access to the full course, which is over 11 hours long, has a 110 page ebook, and the mind map, which helps you organize all the information and be able to drill perfectly with it. So go ahead, visit KimuraTrap.com to learn all about it. And if you're a little hesitant to buy right away, you don't have to. You can join the email list get a bunch of free videos and get a teaser of what it's about. And if you're still not sure, you can get pay $3 to get a trial for the first 80 minutes of the course. So you can get, again, get a little bit more comfortable with the concept before you, you splurge and get the full system, which is going to keep you busy for many, many years. So go ahead, visit KimuraTrap.com today and check it out.